0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station.
1: It's uh, eight minutes past five and you're listening to the Evening Edition with me, Sherad. It's time for Popet Popet Parliament, where we bring you highlights from the Day One riot. Now, first up, a question on pandemic prevention and our national sovereignty. Now, this uh, story requires a bit of context. So first of all, uh, Malaysia is in the process of negotiating with the World Health Organization, or WHO, on their... Preparedness Pandemic Treaty and the amendments to the International Health Regulations, or IHR 25, uh, 25, sorry, 2005. Essentially, the pandemic treaty is intended to strengthen global cooperation in preparing for and responding to future pandemics. While the IHR 2005, or 2005, is set to be legally binding what, uh, how countries should uh, prevent, detect or respond to public health uh, emergencies is the question at hand. Now, there have been calls by several quarters to oppose the amendments uh, and propose treaty. In September, the Malaysian Muslim Consumer Association leader, Nazim Johan, said that if the government didn't object to this, it would allow WHO to take over the country's administration in the event of a pandemic. He said that uh, we have to be firm and reject the IHR amendment before the 1st of December, which is the deadline for objections, now back in Parliament, the TOMP, MP uh, Cheryl Zukainain Abdukade wanted to know the ministry's position on the issue. Now, Health Minister Dr Zaleh Mustafa said negotiations negotiations are still ongoing, and no final decision has yet been
0: made. I want to Pendirian Kerajaan Malaysia berhubung instrumen baharu WHO CA ini dan pindaan IHR 2005 tidak akan diputuskan untuk diratifikasikan atau ditolak sebelum 1 Disember 2023. Jadi tak benarlah eh, itu dakwaan tersebut. Manakala bagi WHO CA berdasarkan artikel 19 Perlembagaan WHO negara anggota diberi peluang untuk menyertai Iaitu opt-in instrumen baru ini jangkaan pada Mei 2024 Seperti yang saya maklumkan sebentar tadi Dan sehingga kini ingin juga saya tegaskan sekali lagi Rundingan bagi penyediaan dokumen INB WHO C+ Plus masih lagi di peringkat awal Tiada keputusan akan diberikan sehingga segalanya dipersetujui Nothing is agreed until everything is agreed. Tuan dan Pertua.
1: Zaleha also emphasised the government's stance on this, saying that sovereignty comes first and they will not agree to anything that jeopardises that.
0: Pendidikan Malaysia dan isu ini adalah sangat jelas. Pertama, kedaulatan dan ekonomi negara tidak boleh dicabuli oleh mana-mana pihak. Sebarang penggubalan pada undang-undang antarabangsa mestilah Tidak bertentangan dengan Perlembagaan Persekutuan memelihara kedaulatan negara kuasa Raja-Raja Melayu dan juga kuasa yang dipertuan agung dan tidak melanggar hak asasi kebebasan rakyat.
1: That was Health Minister Dr. Zaleha Mustafa. Now, what do you think about the government's approach to these negotiations and how do we strike balance between sovereignty and international cooperation? You can call us on 7733-2900 or WhatsApp us at 18 or tweet us at BFM Radio. Next, the topic of Srawat's naked towers. No, it's not part of a dystopian novel, but they're actually communication towers or telecommunication towers that haven't been fitted with the necessary equipment to transmit signals. They've become controversial uh, because they haven't been fully functional for some time. Mary MP Chu uh, Chun Man wanted to know what is being done about this. Now, Communications and Digital Minister Fami Fazil explained that the issue came from the fact that these two towers were located in remote areas. So the commercial value is limited. This has meant that it's been challenging for mobile service providers to settle on an agreement with tower operators to provide 4G services.
2: Project Smart 600 ini melibatkan pembinaan dan pengendalian 600 buah menara telekomunikasi oleh syarikat milik kerajaan negeri Sarawak ni pengendali menara dengan perbelanjaan modal lebih RM1 bilion bagi kesemua menara tersebut yang dibiayai sepenuhnya oleh Kerajaan Negeri Sarawak Walau bagaimanapun lokasi menara-menara Smart 600 ini terletak di kawasan pedalaman yang mana pulangan komersialnya adalah amat terhad sehingga menyebabkan pihak penyedia perkhidmatan mudah alih suka untuk mencapai persetujuan secara komersial dengan pengendali menara tersebut bagi penyediaan perkhidmatan 4G Hal ini sekaligus menjadi punca kepada wujudnya menara-menara tanpa kuali di negeri Sarawak Bagi memastikan perkhidmatan 4G dapat disediakan kepada komuniti setempat di kawasan-kawasan tersebut Dengan kadar segera serta mengambil kira pelaburan yang telah dibuat oleh kerajaan negeri Sarawak Secara dasarnya, kerajaan perstuan dan syarikat penyedia perkhidmatan mudah alih utama Iaitu Selcom, DG, Maxis, UMobile, Tech dan YTL Communications Telah bersetuju untuk berkongsi kos yang perlu dibayar kepada pengendali menara tersebut. Untuk makluman, pembiayaan dari kerajaan persekutuan dan pihak syarikat penyedia perkhidmatan mudah alih melibatkan satu jumlah yang tidak melebihi 207 juta ringgit. iaitu 119.4 juta ringgit oleh kerajaan persekutuan melalui MCMC dan Kementerian Keuangan dan 87.3 juta ringgit oleh syarikat-syarikat penyedia perkhidmatan mudah alih untuk menara-menara yang berkaitan bagi tempoh 3 tahun bermula 2024 sehingga 2026. Selepas tempoh tersebut, syarikat penyedia perkhidmatan mudah alih akan menanggung sepenuhnya kos bayaran kepada pengendali menara. Sebanyak 3,000 kawasan pedalaman dan luar bandar telah pasti dan akan dapat manfaat di bawah inisiatif ini. Dengan adanya inisiatif ini, ia akan menamatkan isu menara tanpa kuali yang telah berlarutan sejak 2019 di Sarawak.
1: That was Communications and Digital Minister Fami Fazil. Now, what do you think of the government's approach to tackle this issue? Again, you can call us on 777 You can WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio. Now, let's move on to the question asked by Maran MP, uh, Datuk Sri Dr. Uh, Ismail Abdul Talib. Um, about allocations to repair and build new houses for the urban poor. Deputy Minister for Local Government and Development, Akmal Nasrul Mohamed Nasir said that 15,000 ringgit per unit has been allocated for repairs in Smenanjung and 17,000 for Sabah and Sarawak and Labuan. In terms of building new homes, 66,000 ringgit per unit has been given for Smananjung and 79,000 ringgit for Sabah, Sarawak and Labuan. However, the new rates for repairs will be fixed for next year.
3: Kadar bantuan yang ditetapkan untuk program ini adalah seperti berikut. Bagi baik pulih rumah di bandar, Semenanjung 15,000, Sabah, Sarawak dan Wilayah Persekutuan Labuan 17,000 ringgit. Bina baru rumah di bandar had maksimum dia 66,000, Sabah, Sarawak dan Labuan 79,000 ringgit. Walau bagaimanapun, mulai tahun 2024 Kadar baharu bagi program baik pulih rumah di bandar adalah 20 ribu ringgit seunit di seluruh Malaysia dan 85 ribu ringgit seunit bagi program bina baharu rumah di bandar di seluruh Malaysia.
1: He then breaks down the groups that are receiving this housing assistance by race and explains how the government identifies the individuals and families in need.
3: Untuk kaum Melayu, bilangan ketua isi rumah yang terima 1,875 orang, bagi uh, Cina 8 orang, India termasuk India, Muslim dan Sikh 67, lain-lain 545, uh, jumlah kesudahan 2,495. Untuk bina baharu, uh, untuk Melayu 19, Cina 3, India termasuk India, Muslim dan Sikh 1, lain-lain 4, total 27. Pencarian dan pengenalpastian KIR Ketua Isi Rumah dalam kalangan komuniti miskin bandar bagi pemberian bantuan ini dilakukan oleh PBT, selaku agensi pelaksana yang dekat dengan rakyat. Kerajaan berharap usaha-usaha ini akan membantu kumpulan B40 di bandar hidup dengan selesa dan seterusnya meningkatkan kualiti hidup. Sekian terima kasih.
1: That was Deputy Minister of Local Government Development, Akmal Nasrul Mohamed Nase. Now we'd love to hear what you think about housing for the poor. Do you think we've done enough for them? How else can we improve? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. You can WhatsApp us on zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine or tweet us at Now, finally, uh, Greek MP Fatul Husser Ayub asked about the suggestion made uh, to build professional archery facilities in Pankalan Hulu since Hulu Pera has produced more than 10 national archers. Deputy Minister of Youth and Sports Adam Adli said that as for now, the government is going to focus on upgrading existing sport facilities. Uh, he added that proposals for new facilities need to be approved, and one of the conditions was that a venue should already be available for it. Um,
4: ini sebenarnya the cadangan berbanding sebuah soalan. Uh, Kementerian dan sukan, kita pentingkan pembangunan kemudahan sukan berasaskan kepada keperluan di satu-satu kawasan supaya kita dapat capai hasrat untuk memudayakan sukan dan gaya hidup sihat dalam kalangan masyarakat dan juga pembangunan sukan di peringkat akaumbi dan uh, seperti yang berulang kali dinyatakan dalam Dewan ini sebarang cadangan maupun permohonan untuk pembinaan satu-satu fasiliti sukan itu haruslah kita perhatikan uh, dahulu aspek peruntukan um, kena ada perancangan yang teliti dan um, perlu juga berasaskan kepada syarat-syarat yang ditetapkan jadi buat masa sekarang pihak Kementerian kita beri fokus pada penaik tarafan kemudahan-kemudahan sukan yang sedia ada (coughs) maka untuk maklumat alih yang berhormat, Greek terutama sekali Kementerian Belia dan Sukan ini kita setiasa beri pertimbangan terhadap pembinaan sebarang kemudahan sukan termasuk pembinaan profesional sama ada di daerah pengaluhulu maupun di mana-mana tertakluklah kepada apa yang saya sebut tadi dan juga harus beri tumpuan juga kepada ketersediaan status tapak kadar penggunaan dan juga kedudukan lokasi. He
1: also said that archery training doesn't require a specific facility because it's adaptable enough to be conducted in any open space.
4: Dalam aspek sukan memanah Untuk makluman tuan tua dan juga di Parlimen Negeri, di negeri Perak kita ada misalnya pusat latihan yang dibinakan ataupun pusat latihan negeri yang ditempatkan di Universiti Pendidikan Sultan Idris di Tanjung Malim. Di mana melibatkan 10 orang atlet dan juga satu orang jurulatih sambilan. Dan kita tahu kalau sukan memanah ni dia kadang-kadang tidak memerlukan pembinaan satu fasiliti baru. Sebaliknya dia boleh adopt ataupun dia boleh um, diadakan di satu-satu tempat yang sesuai. Yang mana ada kawasan lapang dan ada jurulatih, um, Itu pun kadang-kadang sudah mencukupi. Sebab itu um, sukan memanah di dalam negara kita sama ada memanah yang masuk dalam uh, kejuangan-kejuangan besar. Maupun sukan memanah tradisional itu sangat that
1: was Deputy Minister of Youth and Sports, Adam Adli. Now, we'd love to hear what your thoughts are on this. Uh, First, do you dream... Of being an archery athlete, do you think our existing training grounds are sufficient? And since we're on the topic of sports, what are other sports you think the Malaysia, uh, the, the country should uh, strengthen? You can call us on double seven double three two nine hundred or WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio. Now that's all we have from today's session of Parliament. Just a quick recap of what's been discussed. The country's stance on the Pandemic Treaty by WHO and amendments to the IHR. Uh, also, the government is uh, going to um, what the government is going to do to tackle the issue of so-called naked towers in Asrawa. These are telecommunications towers that haven't been completed. Also, allocations to fix and build new homes for the poor. Lastly, we talked about uh, suggestions to build a sports, uh, sports facilities specifically for archery. Now, if you have any thoughts on these topics, uh, please do call. Uh, I'm here on the other end of the line. Uh, you can call 7773 2900, uh, WhatsApp us on 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll be back with more updates from the Day One Riot next week. So do tune in for that. This is the Evening Edition, BFM
4: 89.9. Become fabulous millionaires. BFM 89.9.
1: It's 5.37. You're listening to the Evening Edition. I'm Sharad. Now, we just had a roundup of uh, what was spoken about at Parliament, a quick recap of that. Uh, the country stands on uh, cooperation, international cooperation over per, uh, pandemic preparedness, right? Another pandemic comes about what do we do? How much sovereignty do we yield to organizations like WHO versus how much uh, cooperation we want in exchange, right? So that's one issue. The other had to do with telecom towers in Srawat neglected because deals can't be made because of issues of commercial viability, right? So that was another issue that was spoken about. There was also concerns about archery and support for archery in in the form of creating venues or facilities that would encourage the sports, especially in Perat that it has, and I don't know if you know this, but surprisingly produce many national archers. And also the questions of Homes for the Poor. Right, and how do we encourage that, and how do we enable uh, people uh, accessing the right to shelter? Now, if you have any thoughts for us, uh, you can of course call us. I'd love to hear from you. Double seven, double three, two, nine hundred, or you can WhatsApp us at zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, or tweet us at BFM Radio. Now, um, we have in fact a voice note from Bing about the question of housing the poor.
5: Affordable housing, I, I read about it and that, come to think about it, the pricing of houses is really 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 expensive nowadays And for the B40s to even qualify buying an affordable house, I think it's getting more and more unaffordable for them well, Put it this way, the uh, price of houses uh, for affordable can go from, uh, from 180000 right up to 270000 in Sabah Sarawak, it could be up to 300,000. Now, is it really the upper B40s that's buying it or actually the lower N40s that's buying it? It seems like it's the latter, right? Uh, and uh, the way the price is going up in these days, I think if you're a hardcore poor or you're a poor guy, it's better off renting a house rather than buying one. Why put these poor citizens into a debt trap? Hence, if there is more social housing that is being put up instead of affordable housing, I think that's the way to go about it, you see. Especially when it comes to the urban environment, whereby the cost of living is much higher. Now, for them to rent the house, perhaps this is where enforcement has to be very strong when it comes to the collection of rental by the municipals or the owners of the uh, units that are rented out. In this case, would be most likely the municipal itself. So I really hope that the government could look into this and thoroughly investigate, you know, what percentage of the B40s uh, that will actually qualify to actually own, uh, to actually rent a house instead of owning one. Because this owning a house is actually putting them into a real estate trap, which will trap them for almost the next 30-40 years there is no real estate gain for them. The real estate ladder gain is not there for them because they are stuck in the debt trap for almost their entire lives.
1: Bing, that's a very interesting and very thoughtful response. I I don't... I'm not an expert in this area, but I think you bring up some very important points about the ability for recipients of government aid on housing to be able to keep up with the payments that will have to be made, right? So that's one issue. And so, you know, we know we can look back at the subprime crisis and how banks uh, in America were giving out uh, mortgages very liberally and what it led to there, right? So if you can't keep up, then so there needs to be uh, that uh, consideration, I think, in, in this program. Um, that the government is going to roll out. Uh, But at the other end of it is, like, if you're paying rent, can rent, in fact, be uh, used as a way of gaining assets? So I think there is a uh, rent-to-own program as well. We see that in parts of Malaysia. So uh, is that a model to look at? Do we look at Singapore, for instance, and its very successful public housing model that, you know, unlike some countries where they had public housing but there was no investment in it, and that that stock deteriorated. So I think that this question of housing is a national one, being and uh, you're right, we need to consider all possibilities, including unintended consequences of government policies. Now, if anybody uh, has thoughts on housing, we can continue this discussion. No, we'll just uh, move on to the question of sports. Uh, TIDJ, thanks for your response. And it's about archery. We asked the question about whether... Uh, you know, uh, there was a need for government to create uh, facilities for archery. The deputy minister uh, responded by saying you know, there was something about the the sport that uh, actually allows you know, that doesn't require it to have um, special facilities. Now, TIDJ says I was an archer, I competed at the MSSPP in Penang. Uh, We had to practice at Batu Uban near USM. So while we can practice just about anywhere, archery is a very expensive sport. Back then, we bought our own bows and arrows. I hope the government will be able to provide the necessary equipment as it uh, feels like a sport only the privileged can participate in. TID, uh, TIDJ, very interesting, again, you know, this idea of having to think of policies in a kind of 360 fashion, um, because, yes, facilities uh, might not be necessary, or they could be necessary in terms of the person who made the suggestion, but perhaps there are other parts of the ecosystem of the sport, like, in, you know, in as you brought up, the question of equipment, right? Sporting equipment is expensive, and it's... And I think it really depends on the sport, um, where it could be prohibitively expensive. So if you want to encourage the sport and enable it, especially for younger people getting into it, and I think with uh, sporting activities, you often want young people to get into it. How do you uh, support young people when it comes to buying equipment? I think that is, uh, in fact, um, a very interesting uh, question that the government will have to answer. Does it, in fact, have the resources to support young people in quite that way? Now, Madi, you come back with the question of uh, affordable housing. We were talking about it earlier, being uh, sent in a voice note. Affordable houses, what is it? A location, size, rooms, bathrooms, costs, facilities, all these have to be specified. You're absolutely right, Madi. There is the... Um, There is a very serious problem with, I think, the location of affordable housing, because if it becomes, if it's too far from where people are working, it means add additional cost to them, and especially if their transport lines are not um, well laid out, right? Um, When it comes to size, as the numbers of rooms, uh, bathrooms, I think, there is the question of livability. So when it comes to uh, public housing, they mustn't be just, you know, chicken coops in the sky. They really have to be um, designed in a way that make them uh, livable and humanize the experience of living. So when people live, it's not just the people who work, but it's called their children. Do we have space for them to run around? Uh, You know, will it be a space that people feel invested in? Uh, if not, uh, you know, what you'll have is the creation of slums. And that's something I think we want generally to avoid. Well, that's all we have for our parliamentary discussion. But uh, you can call me, 7773 WhatsApp us at 18 or tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast
0: from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.